Hello, Virginia Heffernan here. What you're about to hear is a teaser for today's episode of Trumpcast, which is available in full for Slate Plus members only. See how tempted you are now to sign up for Slate Plus? We've made one in four episodes exclusive to Slate Plus members because they help support the work we do on Trumpcast and help fund other Slate podcasts like Slow Burn and Charged. To sign up and hear this episode and every episode of Trumpcast in full, please visit slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus. It's only $35 for the first year, and you'll get other benefits like ad-free podcasts and discounted tickets to live Slate events. So sign up now at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus, and thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. At Trumpcast, we here for you. Anyone with me? If not, you gotta watch Succession on HBO. Okay, it's about a Rupert Murdoch-style right-wing media empire and who's gonna inherit it. And if you haven't started, and I hope you have, but if you haven't started, you're lucky because you can mainline the first season, tourniquet, clean needle, good vein for streaming, and further mainline the start of this second one. And you won't have to wait like I do week after week to see who inherits Waystar Royco. Also, as a place to plow all the forensic energy you had around Trump-Russia, Succession works brilliantly. On this show, there are far-right autocrats and groveling courtiers and all kinds of clues and buffoons, just like the Trump administration. But geopolitics are not in the balance, so it's not as stressful as thinking about Trump. My guest today is Alan Salkin, a longtime journalist of Vanity Fair, The New York Times, The New York Post, you name it. Alan has a terrific article in LA Magazine right now about Trump's failures in Hollywood. And more to the point, he and his co-author Aaron Short have a big book out called The Method to His Madness. It's interviews with a vast number of lunatics who worked with Trump. And I mean... Anthony Scaramucci, Donnie Deutsch, the Reverend Al Sharpton, David Bossy, Steve Bannon, you know, all the people you kind of don't like. Alan, welcome to Trumpcast. Oh, I am so glad to finally be here. We've been wanting to do this for so long. I have two copies of your book with Aaron Short, The Method to the Madness. It's an oral history, right? It doesn't say oral history, but that's what it used to be called, of Donald Trump's ascent. It's great, and I've devoured it. Thank you. Oral history works fantastically here because you don't start with a thesis. It's not like the rise of an autocrat where you pull a couple things from his tweets. You really let the story go where it goes. And there are all these surprising places. One of the things you are, I think, uniquely well positioned to talk about is what you've written about in the L.A. magazine about Trump and Hollywood. So somehow we don't picture Trump as a figure in Los Angeles because originally when anyone was watching The Apprentice, it was set in New York. But by the end, it was in L.A., and you describe it almost like, you know, while they when they were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for excitement and having a lot of has-beens on the show. It was supposed to be celebrities, but they were, you know, it was, it was kind of yeah. the people who would have been on Hollywood Squares, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, it was almost like some kind of Santa Monica porn boogie nights thing. Or It, it, it certainly wasn't like a top-flight operation. Tell us about when Trump tried to move to Hollywood. Well, when he finally declared he was going to run for president and NBC canceled the show, he had the ch his chair from the boardroom of The Apprentice moved upstairs and he had a sign put on it that said, you know, The Apprentice, 
number one show. It was never the number one show. Mm-hmm. There may have been one week ever when it was the number one show, but in the first season only. Yep. And it declined every single year after that. So this was almost the final year of regular apprentice where they would have regular people compete and they decided to move it to la to goose the ratings and interestingly at the same time trump was also shooting a reality golf show competition at his golf course in palace verdes he was staying at the uh, beverly hills hotel right and he was getting involved with flying up to reno getting involved with stormy daniels this is the year that he meets karen mcdougall at the playboy mansion on a shoot for this season of the apprentice the one girlfriend who has ever said she a, loved him, and B, was attracted to him. Karen McDougal. I think about that all the time. She just loved him. They had talks on the phone. She just thought he was a great guy. Oh, God. In the course of doing the book, there was a girlfriend who nobody's ever named publicly who I interviewed who just refused to go on the record who also kind of around the early 90s uh, was talking about what a wonderful guy he was and you know, now claiming he's changed. But there's so many interesting things about this year he's in L.A. It does feel like he's on this kind of purgatory where he's – Melania has just given birth to Barron, so she's back in New York, and he seems to just be up to no good here the whole time. But he is still, even in this era, and back to the book a little bit, he was plotting how to become president probably since an interview in 1980 with Rona Barrett, the celebrity uh, entertainment reporter. Even on this show, shot in 2006, there's a, a scene where they cut to a speech he's giving in Minnesota, like a business inspiration speech, but they close up on a guy holding a Trump for president placard and they do it twice Mm -hmm. and this is 2006 trump was using what would have cost like a million dollars in product placement to tout his plans that he one day wanted to be president you know over the course of the show we've tried to figure out what currents in the media what currents in social life what on the internet rose up with trump or what might have helped us predict it but reality television is absolutely a huge part of his story and i wrote about reality television forever the new york times in fact jake Jacob Weisberg had me come on this show originally as a guest because I was one of the only people who really had seen, I think, almost every episode of The Apprentice. But what seems clear to me is that people like Mark Burnett, and I, I remember talking to him about a show he briefly did called Casino, I think. It was it was mm-hmm. set in, in Las Vegas, and it was just a storytelling over time at, a new, or at the effort to revive the Golden Nugget. And um, he said... Basically, in short, they just wanted to do non-union productions. So you're in L.A. You, you like, you know, that's that's the major expense on TV. They wanted to have people. How could they possibly persuade people in prime time, not on the game shows, not prices right, but to do their own makeup, use their own houses as sets, use their own names, invent their own dialogue and do all the stuff that usually people are paid a lot to do. Um, and their own wardrobes, even. And part of what he did was, and you know all this, but a part of what he did with The Apprentice after sur- the success of Survivor was offer these sh- this show to a real estate person who then could um, was willing to sort of plow, like work for nothing or work for certainly for non-union rates. Not just the contestants with the promise of a prize, but Trump with the promise of branding. And the same thing happened with Real Housewives. If you remember, the the earliest episodes of of Orange County were um, a real estate, a real estate exact. One of them was a real estate salesperson, and um, and then there are more real estate people in Beverly Hills, and they just would show the houses on TV. 
that they were showing trying to sell to people. And for this, they would volunteer, sometimes volunteer to humiliate themselves, which Trump had been doing for a long time on Howard Stern. Yes. So tell me about, tell you have, you have lots, lots of contact with people from The Apprentice who sort of saw how that happened and point out also something I didn't know, which is they considered other people, including Warren Buffett, for the position of the tycoon in The Apprentice. How'd they settle on on Donald Trump, and how did that all come to pass? Uh, and by the way, I was on reality TV once. I, I was on Lisa Loeb's I Need a, a Nice Single Jewish Boy to Date, so I'm going to come to New York, a uh, reality show called Number One Single. Oh. And I, I can uh, testify to arguing with producers to reimburse my $5 cab fare, or I would not go on that day, and it was a battle. Yeah, I mean, these are really stingy productions. And, oh, and, yeah. And that's why actors hated them and still hate them. You point out Ryan Seacrest became a legitimate star yeah. in the Dick Clark mode after American Idol, but almost no one else crosses over. It's improvisation for exhibitionists. Yeah. But, you know, you're right about the, what Burnett told you about non-union, because this comes out of the writer's strike around yes, 2000, that's 2001, right. which ground Hollywood to a halt. And the, out of that ferment comes Survivor, which was a huge success, which despite actually spending quite a bit of money to move a whole crew to an island and all that yeah. still costs less than you know a major scripted Hollywood production. And you're, you're right. The camera people and other trades were union, but not the actors and not the writers. So – this this then becomes a great model, and Burnett shows the way. And you know everything Burnett was creating was going to turn to gold. And network executives would take meetings and would buy his stuff almost immediately in the room, which is obviously the best way for any meeting to go. Yeah, to get the check in the room. In the LA Magazine article and in our book, we talk about how there was a guy named Mark Bethea who basically came up with a pitch for a reality business show that he called CEO. And he suggested as the hosts, uh, either Donald Trump or the former Chrysler chairman, uh, Lee Iacocca. Yep. Burnett first meets Trump at a survivor finale at Woolman Rink, which Trump acts like he owns <laughs> uh, in Central Park because he had the insight that when they couldn't fix uh, the Central Park rink, he would call a Canadian ice skating rink uh repair company and they actually got the job done when this New York City couldn't. Right. So Trump acts like he owns it. Burnett saw in him a larger than life figure. Our book starts in the late 90s when Trump is calling in to all the reporters. I worked at the New York Post in this time. I used to talk to Trump now and then for articles. I actually did articles about his real estate holdings and yeah. licensing his name and everything. I even found a fax he sent to me once where he was trying to prove to me that he was still an important person in the real estate world because uh, executives from Corcoran had sent him a note saying they really wanted to meet with him. So he faxed me a copy of that note. Wow. I found it right when I was almost done with the book, uh, an old folder from my New York Post drawer that just said Trump on it. So Trump was building up and he would insist to reporters that, you know, you can call him anything you want as long as you add the word billionaire to it. And a lot of these reporters, gossip reporters at the New York Post and the Daily News and National Enquirer were not going to investigate whether he really was a billionaire or not. Mm -hmm. So this media image that he created on Howard Stern, Larry King, any reporter who had his number could call him. Trump leverages this ferment that he comes out of the New York media world and he honestly, brilliantly figures out how to use the kind of celebrity he has and lever it over using reality TV as the crucial, powerful part of this into political power. That was our preview. 
Aren't you compelled to hear more? You can. Just sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to listen to the full episode and get all our podcasts without ads. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus.